Cinema Sit Down, recorded Sunday, October 6th, 2019, episode 222, a review of Joker, hosted by Ryan Bull, Richard Lusk, and Tony Christ. The following podcast has been approved for all audiences by Flying Bull Productions. best part of any film is the sit-down afterwards. Richard Lusk and Ryan Bull bring you Cinema Sit-Down. Welcome to Cinema Sit-Down. I'm one of three hosts. My name is Ryan Bull. Joining me across the table is Richard Lusk and Tony Chris. Starting with you, Lusk. How's it going? It's just wonderful. How are you? <laughs> Doing good. And now, Tony, I've got one question for you. Yes, sir. Why so serious? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> Glad he didn't get that in the movie today. Well, oh, we have to make lots of references because, of course, we are reviewing Joker, the 2019 film from director Todd Phillips starring Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, this is a I, I, character I, study of... Starring Robert De Niro, please. Oh, oh, because he's in here for all of, what, 10 minutes? Yeah, that's enough. All right. Anthony Hopkins Star- won an Oscar for less than that. All right, uh, Joker starring Robert De Niro and Joaquin Phoenix. (laughs) A uh, character study of Batman's number one arch nemesis, Joker, and how he came to be Joker. Uh, This film has grossed over $95 million on its opening weekend. We're recording this late on a Sunday afternoon of the opening weekend. Uh, We all went and saw this film. I don't think we're going to be in agreement, so... Let me start with you, Tony. What do you think of this film? I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, no surprise there. I'm a big comic book fan, Batman, Joker, especially. And as we are joking a minute ago, I, I like Robert De Niro as well, Joaquin Phoenix. So I, I really enjoyed this. I saw it actually on a Thursday night, so pre-opening night, and I really enjoyed the crowd there too. So the whole crowd was into it just like you were? Yeah, kind of on the edge of their uh, seat kind of things. There are some parts, I think, if I was with, you know, with, if I was watching it with you and Lusk, I'd probably laugh at more parts. But there were parts in the movie where I, I was definitely laughing and people were not laughing. Which I think <laughs> All right, fair. goes hand in hand with kind of how we watch movies. Fair enough. Uh, Lusk, we went and saw this Friday afternoon. I think I know what you're going to say, but could you share what you thought of this movie with our audience? Well, it's interesting that Tony pointed out that there were a lot of places where people weren't laughing because uh, there was a lot of not laughing going on in my movie theater, too. Except for the uncomfortable parts where some of the darker humor uh, sort of shined through and it sort of tickled me a little bit. But other than that, uh, I I wasn't that impressed. I didn't really like the movie that much. Yeah, I didn't care for it a lot. I thought a lot of people in our audience were upset with the film. I could tell that there was a lot of energy when the movie was getting started. It was a fairly young crowd at the theater because it was, what, 2.30 or something, 3 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. (laughs) And all the jobs. A lot of, like, high school kids, you know, rushed over as soon as high school let out and were at the theater. And then at the end of the film, you could tell people were like, what was that? Well, because... it's not a comic book movie. Tony mentioned it was a comic book movie. It's, I don't. I don't really. It is in the sense that uh, it gives them what they were expecting. Well, so I, I but yeah, I liked it as a comic book character, right? I, but I would agree. Yeah, this is not a true comic book movie. Uh, it's just a version. It would be something like you. It's a story about a guy who could 
becomes the Joker, but there's a million versions of that story. So it doesn't have to be strictly a comic book. Yeah, I, I think it is a comic book movie, but it's an art house comic book movie. And I think everyone went in thinking this is a big budget film. It had a budget of like $55 million, but a pr- uh, promotion and advertising budget of over $100 million. So I think people were expecting spectacle because you don't spend that type of money on an art house film. True. And oof, <laughs> I think our audience, they were not happy that they had been bamboozled. Well, you don't get any comic book set pieces. There's not a whole lot of action. I mean, the set pieces are basically Joaquin Phoenix sort of dancing in a bathroom, you know, it's, or on a flight of stairs. Right. Or there's yeah. some there's some monologues and stuff like that. But other than that, it's, it's I mean, where, where's the action for a movie yeah. for a movie called Joker? There weren't very many laughs. Well, I think because he even takes the name at the end, though, as a as a mocking term. Because kind of the premise of the point of the movie is that uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character, uh, who becomes the Joker, is uh, a wannabe clown, but he's got some mental disorders and all that. But he ends up, uh, prior to you know YouTube thing going viral, because it takes place in the 80s, uh, he goes uh, viral on a, on a talk show, and the guy brings him on as a guest. And with that, you know, the guy called him a Joker, like, hey, look at this Joker, I'm trying to make fun of him. So I think the Joker calling himself the Joker is meant to be kind of a biting satire, maybe, or sarcastic or sarcasm to be calling himself the Joker. Because he kind of, I think at that point in the movie, he realizes he's not funny. And that's where he kind of turns on himself. Oh, interesting. You think that he thinks he's not funny. Right. Or I think he gets fed up at that point because there's a part in the at, at the movie when um, when he's watching himself on TV uh, with Robert De Niro's character and he goes, hey, take a look at this Joker here. His face kind of changes. And that's where the movie I thought was really good with Joaquin is that he's got good facial expressions. And I think that with the music and the, they do a lot of good music cues in the movie tells you when the tensions are going to start to build and something big's going to happen. That That's when he, he has that snapping point where he realizes, OK, I tried to fit into society, but now I'm just going to do my own thing. Oh, that gives him too much credit. You think so? I like Joaquin's performance, but I, I think this is, he's recalling memories of um, You Were Never Really There and his performance in The Master. But this has got to be the dumbest Joker I've ever seen. <laughs> well, he's just starting out too. It- and that's that's saying something after Suicide Squad's uh, Jared Leto's Joker performance. Yeah. Well, Jared's really did, is down, uh, Jared Leto's one is really down there. Uh, it's definitely the worst of, of all of them so far. Well, I don't I, know. I, I might argue it's Joaquin Phoenix's is the worst Joker. I, I I don't think that his was the worst acting performance, but I think he has less to work with than some of the other Jokers. I mean, oh, oh. you yeah. got to, well, I guess you're comparing him to what the other he, three major actors he, in the last. It's 30 years now. Uh, yeah, because I wasn't thinking of Caesar Romero. No, but Jack, yeah, Jack Nicholson, uh, Heath Ledger, Jared Leto, and then uh, and I throw Mark, Mark Hamill, yeah, in Mark there Hamill doing the animated Joker. Well, and Mark Hamill too has done the uh, video game ones too, the Arkham ones, which are really well respected. Yeah, but this Joker, the, the just the character, the acting performance was fine. I like Joaquin Phoenix, but this Joker was a poor man's version. He was a moron at the beginning of the film. He's a moron at the end. <laughs> And I think part of the problem is it's the director of this film, Todd Phillips, who's better known for doing The Hangover, Old School, even uh, Road Trip. And a due date. And the problem problem with Todd Phillips is he doesn't know what real life is like. You know, in Old School, he 
tells us what he thinks a fraternity is like. It's nothing like that. Same thing with The Hangover. That's not how bachelor parties actually are. And well, I think no, here, he's trying to tell gonna... us what he thinks a, a superhero movie could be, and he's just wrong. He's telling us what he thinks the Joker's like, and he got it wrong. Well, I, I disagree with you there. I don't think he's he's trying to present a superhero movie at all. Like, I, there's no... the. There's no superhero element to it. I think he's if you stripped away all of the comic book trappings, you would have a character study of uh, a guy that's sort of driven mad by society or he has a he has a breaking point or a snapping point and then, you know, he goes on this sort of weird talk show and winds up killing talk show hosts. Oh, is that a spoiler? <laughs> should we should we I'll, I'll, I'll just I'll put there. it in the title. <laughs> There's a Joker laugh there. Yeah, sorry, that just caught me up. It, I was trying not to say anything about the end, <laughs> and then you blurted out. <laughs> oh well. After you get on us every show, fair enough. You get on us every show. <laughs> That's right. Spoiling Gone that with is the a hell wind. of a spoiler, isn't it? <laughs> we spoil we spoil Titanic or Gone with the Wind, and you get on us. I guess my basic overall point is: can is this even a super villain? Because can you? Can you be a super villain if you're not even mediocre? You know, like he wouldn't be able to. Where would he even go to buy bullets for his gun? He 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 can't exist in society. He's just a, a, a you know a crazy madman wandering around the streets of you know a, a dark dreary city. What I agree, but if he wasn't wearing that suit, would we even know he's the Joker? If well, this film like wasn't other- called Joker. I don't think we know that this really is that that, that titular character. Uh, do you, do you remember the Looney Tunes cartoon Duckamuck? Yes, where Daffy Duck's in there, and the cartoonist keeps changing what he looks like, and changes the background, and even erases him at one point. Yes, and it's this whole uh, meta, you know, philosophy of you know what is Daffy Duck. And you can watch the whole eight-minute cartoon, and it's always Daffy Duck, no matter what he looks like, no matter what he sounds like, even if we can't hear him when his voice is taken away. That's still Daffy Duck. Watching this movie, I never felt like I was actually watching the Joker. I was watching a crazy guy go a little crazier, but it wasn't the Joker. Well, I, I think it's not until the very end of the movie when he gets arrested and he uh, gets a, uh, they escape, you know he's in the back of the police car and the the ambulance crashes and they pull him out i think that's when he becomes the joker and that would be if they do a sequel which i don't really want them to do cuz i like kind of how it ended but the idea is that's when he'll start to do the the heist and the capers and all those things i think this was all everything was leading up to him becoming the joker well he i i would say that this character can't do heists and capers he can't be an adversary for batman he can't be an arch villain or a super villain because he's just this he's a just a crazy person you know at least yeah. the other the other jokers had motivations and abilities and uh other than creating chaos and just having anarchy uh sort of swirl around him which isn't even the primary motivation of this guy just the fact that he can't i don't know he, he can't get go down to the corner store and have a conversation with anybody in any meaningful sort of way sort of suggests to me that he he can never be uh, an adversary for Batman except for the maybe the Batman that they present in this movie which I'll get back to right well but that go ahead Tony. I was gonna say so I would um, about interacting and stuff yeah and that's kind of the interesting thing with the how the, he's becoming the Joker in the movie is that he 
it's kind of an accident, right? Because he's on the train uh, and he's wearing his, jo- his Joker costume uh, or his, his clown outfit because he's got fired and the guys are picking on him on, or bullying him, whatever, harassing him. And uh, he ends up shooting the two of the guys and then hunts down the third guy and kills him. And I think it's, and that starts the movement because since he's wearing his costume, they only know about him as the Joker. And so, like you were saying, Lusk, he doesn't become the, he's not the Joker of like the mastermind, you know, criminal. He's a guy who started a movement accidentally. And I think he finds that this is his way because he always wanted to be a comedian or wanted to be funny, that he finally found his way to become famous. He got his 15 minutes of fame and all that, which is an interesting take because, again, it's taking place in the 80s, you know, before internet stuff, like how do you become famous? Uh, at this point and there's a lot of you know the the transitioning from the 70s into the 80s in a new york city type place like gotham is you know it was a really weird time where things like that happened where people would get killed on the subway and kind of like what happened you know the son of sam um remind me a lot of like bernie gets too which was in the 80s where there's a guy who's gonna he, he said he was being mugged on the train and he shot and killed a couple of guys and it became a big news story too of like was he defending well, he, himself he did- he didn't kill anybody. Well, he shot him, though. Yeah, he paralyzed one kid. Yeah. And then yeah. Uh, he had been mugged before that. I'm not I'm not a big Bernie Getz fan. I was just looking him up well, that's, for this uh, for this review. That's funny. Yeah, like... I did the same thing because I was watching it thinking, oh, this is Bernie Getz and <clears throat> a similar situation. And it's one of those things like, you know, if you're being harassed and you think your life's in danger, maybe that's justifiable with the first two guys. But then he hunts the third guy down and then he runs away. And that's where it becomes the crime and becomes... Uh, he goes over from being defending himself to becoming uh, vindictive. But isn't that also where the movie is starting to fall apart? Because it's trying to argue that he has become the Joker because of this one bad night or this one bad day that he's having. But then later on, we find out, no, he got broken when he was a little kid. Well, I say he got broken. It, it, yeah. is, isn't that the problem? He, he's He's always been broken his whole life. And, and that runs counter to the whole idea of, Joker was supposed to have been made because he had one really bad day, just like Bruce Wayne got made into Batman because he had one really bad day. He watched his parents get killed in front of him. That's what ruined him forever. The same should be true with Joker, but instead this movie goes, yeah, this guy's been a loser since he was born. He couldn't catch a break ever. Yeah, but I think the movie sets up him being pounded in like it. He, he was abused when he was a child or whatever. And he had these false notions of himself. Um, I think the movie and, sort of plays around with whether or not his mother abused him or allowed him to be abused. So there was a, there is like this lapse where some of the, like his childhood gets lost in the movie cause it can't explain itself. So I do agree with you there, but I, I think the rest of the movie does a pretty good job of setting it up so that he's just beaten down and, you know, he loses his job. Um, but he's 45-ish or whatever. Yeah. Do you feel like the previous 40 years of his life have been any good? No, but... To me, th- this has been a constant stream for this guy. But he, he's been a loser for a long time. Yeah, and I feel did, like people have been didn't have picking on him for a long t- time. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. is like he never had the power at that point until his co-worker gave him the gun. And it's one of the... I think it's the thing where he, he was you say a loser where he, he was born, you know, in a bad situation. And the lady who he thought was his birth mother was actually his adopted mother. And she had her own mental illnesses and she, you know, let, you know, a boyfriend or a husband or whoever abuse, um, the Joker as a kid, you know, all that stuff happens. Uh, but it's not until 
you know, I think it's more at one bad day. It's the idea is he has all all these things pile up, and he finally gets the one thing he can't take care of, or he can't take it anymore. You know, because he had previously been attacked on the street, spinning the the uh, cardboard thing like the guys do on the street, and the kids steal it and then beat him up. And then it's what a, a day or two later when he's on the subway, but now he has a gun to fight back. Because the problem with the first one was that he couldn't fight back. He chased the three guys down, and they started beating him up. So now he's got a way to defend himself. Yeah, and even and then he tries to give him the card first to tell him he's got this mental problem and he's got this condition. So he tries to do it, but he doesn't. The guys don't give him a chance to. So he finally gets fed up with it. Yeah, but to me, life has always been hard on this guy. He can't just say, "Oh, the world's gone so un- uncaring and mean, and things have just gone so bad now." Well, I don't think it's him. He, For this guy, really, the world has always been this way too. Right. So, but it, but it's not. He after he kills those guys is when the city turns and starts supporting the clown Joker character. That that's when he starts to get the power. That's when he, you know, he kills the friend who gave him the gun earlier because the friend was gonna. He was afraid. I'm afraid, but the friend was gonna turn him in and try to get the heat off of himself for giving him the gun. Um, so he brings that up and like, even that he kills the one guy, but he lets the little person out of the room just fine. And and then that's the part where I laughed really hard is when the little person couldn't unlock the door cause the chain was too high and you see him kind of jumping and he's nervous, but you know, the Joker lets him out. Yeah, I agree. That was probably the best part of the film. I, well, I just wait, go back. That was the best part of the movie. The, the little guy not being able to get uh, out. I mean, that was ironic and kind of funny. But if that's the best, if that's the high mark of the movie, then you had a worse experience with it than I thought you did. The more I think about it, when I was uh, driving home, I was thinking about in the Dark Knight, uh, Alfred, played by Michael Caine, talks to Batman, and he tells him about when he was a mercenary out in like Burma or somewhere. And they had to burn down the jungle because there was this one bandit out there who couldn't be reasoned with, right? Right. Some men just want to watch the world burn. That's supposed to be the Joker. That he is just this uh, Loki force of chaos, you know, who doesn't have to make any sense, who doesn't want to get anything out of life, who just wants to, you know, cause mischief. But you can't, you can't... uh deny todd phillips having a vision of the joker that's different than that that he wants to present because i mean this movie manages to re rework that it's not in the it's not change in the, it all yeah, it's not in the dark knight universe so it's just his but interpretation I, 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 of that so i mean if you go and think of the joker supposed to be one way and he's not that and it's not within the same universe or that's not the todd phillips's you know intention that's on you that's not on tom or todd what I would argue is I can see echoes of that type of Joker and all the other previous incarnations and in that there are certain inherent th- inherent qualities and attributes you have to have. Yeah, but this is the start. So he hasn't, you, you don't know the rest yet. The, the, jo- the Dark Knight Joker could be in a few years from now. And again, that's where they play with the age. And unless I mentioned about Bruce Wayne being in the movie, he is what the eight or nine year old kid in this movie and where the Joker is 45. So even that, they're playing with the timeline of the age. And, you know, and this also too is the Joker is not thrown, you know, in the, in the, you know, the killing joke and what some of the other comics, the Joker's thrown into the vat by Batman and that being can become the Joker. So even here you're if you're accepting that this this Joker's, you know, forty years or thirty years older than Bruce Wayne is, then you've got to throw out the interpretations too and just accept it for what the movie presents. Uh, you know, in this bottle, I'm, this is what the Joker is. I, I don't think I have to throw out certain characteristics. Well how he got to that point, sure. I, I that's fine. 
those events can be different. But, but we this we, Joker is upset that society has wronged him, and he's only trying to get revenge. That's his motivating factor through all of this. He wants to get revenge against people who were mean to him, and that's not the Joker. Man, at the end of the day, not, I, 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 I would I I would tend to argue that it's yeah I agree with Tony that it's not the Joker that you think of. I agree with you that it's not the Joker that's sort of the iconic uh, vision of a Joker. But I don't know if that really matters. I don't even know if, at the end of the day, if the Bruce Wayne character grows up to become Batman. And, like, at the end of this movie, there's no suggestion of that. And, in fact, if there's any... I mean, that that depiction of Bruce Wayne is a more than mildly autistic <laughs> uh, sort of uh, zombie. I mean, there's nothing in in the movie that would suggest that he's anything other than, than just stupid. That's what it seemed like to me. Yeah. Because even there's the part when, uh, and this is one of the weird twists I thought, and I'm, I'm glad that it didn't turn out this way that, uh, Joker's mother had worked for the Waynes at one point as a maid or a housekeeper or something. And she, you know, in her mind, cause she's got her own mental issues, uh, had an affair with Thomas Wayne, with Bruce Wayne's dad. And so become the idea is that, Bruce Wayne and the Joker were half brothers or stepbrothers, and uh, when I when I'm watching the movie, I make that note and like put a big exclamation point next to it, like this is bad. But then they turned around. This says that she had her problems and he actually was adopted and stuff. And you know, kind of tie this down because one of the reasons we were reviewing this movie, the last one we did was the uh, the King of Comedy with Robert De Niro in it uh, as Rupert Pupkin, and they uh, I think Todd Phillips and Joaquin Phoenix said they both looked at the, that at that movie as a way to see you know kind of a harsh R version of that, like what would happen if you have this guy that you're playing along and doesn't get the respect he deserves, you know. And so I thought that was kind of uh, interesting. Um, here, but it was one of, you know, watching it though, I thought this is much more closer to the taxi driver than the King of Comedy. Oh, I thought I was watching a remake of Falling Down with uh, Michael I, Douglas. I, I said the same thing too, where you just have a normal guy, kind of a thing, who just has a bad, like, like the whole theme of this is one guy, he's got a bad day or a bad life, and then something just happens to him that makes him snap and says, you know what? I'm doing my own thing now. I don't care what anybody else does. The best thing about Falling Down, though, is not the Michael Douglas character as much as it is the Robert Duvall character. And that's the thing that's missing from this movie, is there is no uh, yin to the yang. It's just all yang. Right. Because well, like, even <laughs> and so, in The King of Comedy, I mean, you've got you know, uh, Jerry Lewis's character, and in Taxi Driver, you've got Sybil Shepherd's character that kind of is the normal balance of what this life should be, what, what, what normal yeah, is. Yeah, but it's also... They fell in love with having Joaquin Phoenix on film every single moment. It's the same problem that Kevin Costner has whenever he directs a movie. He has to put himself in every scene. This movie would have been better if it could have breathed for a moment and followed some other characters for a scene or two here or there. Right. So I thought it. Well, I, I'm I'm suggesting that even if it followed some other characters, it wouldn't have been as interesting as. Uh, the Batman movies, the other Batman movies, or the other comic book movies, because he has no adversary. He really doesn't have an adversary other than society. And then it's only one part of society, because the other half of society, you know, the sort of the Antifa <laughs> characters, they adopt him and resurrect him or whatever. And then he's fighting against, you know, all of the other forms of society and, you know, the white, the rich 1% or whatever. But they're not 
adversarial. Like even Thomas Wayne is just a jerk. He's not really his adversary. There's no, there's no real conflict outside of the internal struggle. So, yeah. Well, I wonder too. Cause... Not that there has to be. I just don't think that. I think that that makes for a poor. Movie. Yeah, and it's all. It's you know weird with having the Joker because you know the idea. You know he's a bad guy. You know in history in life, but the idea is that he's the you say the hero, the protagonist of this story. So it does make you hard to root for him. And it's one of those things. Like I think when because he, he keeps getting beaten down on or or picked on until he shoots De Niro because even that's like over the line in some ways like because he killed a guy on live television he wasn't being attacked physically by him he just goes on a you know says he's going to tell a joke and then shoots him in cold blood at that point and I, you know I don't know and I'm glad it kind of ended quickly after that you know within a few minutes because I thought that was the high point of the movie to go out on but did he just want to get revenge and did he decide he wanted he wanted to get this revenge the moment he got the phone call to jump on the television show yeah i I don't know or or was he always planning somehow to kill robert de niro's character he just didn't have the idea of how to do it yet i don't don't know if he would that that to me is really unclear yeah i don't know if he would have done it until he got the phone call you know because he had killed the three guys and then he killed his mother too uh, but I think some of those in his mind would have, or at least even somewhat in my mind, were justifiable in the sense that he was being attacked on the train by the three guys and his mother had lied to him and let him be abused. And, you know, even that, not that I justify murder, but the idea is that in his mind, he can justify those things. Uh, but it's not until, you know, he's going to be on the on the De Niro's talk show that he's going to have this audience and it's going to start whatever movement he wants to start off the, after that or, or accelerate the movement because the movement had already started. Yeah, but in the movie, he claims that that is not at all his motivation. He's, he's not motivated by the movement or politics. He's not interested in it at all. And that's at the end of the movie. That's even after he's killed uh, De Niro's character, Murray. Yeah. And when he gets the phone call, his mom's still alive. She's in the hospital, but she's still alive. Yeah. Okay. So I, I I don't the character arc doesn't make sense to me. Well, because I think it doesn't arc. <laughs> it just kind of <laughs> like rides waves. It ebbs and flows. It doesn't. Uh, it it just manifests itself in whatever way would make for an interesting. I don't know visual image or. Uh, I'm not really sure what the message is. Uh, maybe that's the biggest problem I have with the movie. Yeah, one of the things I thought was weird too was the. Um... He has a hallucination about uh, being in a relationship with his neighbor, the single mom. And there's the thing where um, there's a part in the movie where he kind of realizes what he's been going through with her hasn't happened. It's all in his mind. So I wonder, you know, if there's a thing where there's a part of movies that were like that, where how much of the movie could be a fantasy of his, where it could be real or not real. And maybe he doesn't know what's real or not real. Well, to me, the last scene of the movie hints that the whole thing has been his imagination. Yeah, so is that him dancing on he, the car or whatever? No, when he's in oh, the he's running, he's running, yeah, he's running back and forth, and he's talking to the same woman that was that he had to go to the meetings to earlier. No, it's not the same woman. She just oh, happens it's not? to be. No, yeah, I didn't. It's a different... Yeah, I didn't think it was the same. Uh, same, you know, what if she was a nurse, doctor, therapist, whatever? I thought she was different, but I think they're, they're both African American women, but I don't think they were the same. To... Well, that's a, that's a, that is one of the interesting elements of the movie that makes me reconsider and think about it are the racial implications because every woman that he had other than his mother, but every woman that he that he interacts with out in the in the world or in his imaginary life are women of color. True. So he has the two the two therapists and he has the um 
the woman on the train when tells him to quit oh, messing with right. his kid. When, when the then, kid was laughing, which was hilarious. Right. But again, it's a strange, it's a strange man talking to your kid. You don't want that. But and then finally, the Zazie Beats character, uh, you know, which I, that that is sort of the relationship element in the movie. Um, at one point, I was thinking, man, this guy's got a lot going for him. <laughs> Why is he in such a bad state of mind? So I didn't know if uh, I, I I guess I hadn't it hadn't clued me in to itself yet that 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 relationship wasn't real. I mean, was there any part in the movie where you thought the relationship was real? No. Or did you always know it was in his head? I was because comparing it to the King of Comedy, I always thought it was in his head, or even like Taxi Driver, where it wasn't something that, or like it was all one sided, where he thought he was going out with her, and to, even to the point where um, I don't even know because he invited her to the comedy show to see him do his open mic act, and they showed her in the audience laughing, but. I forget now if they did it as one of the flashbacks where she doesn't laugh or she's not even there, maybe. So I don't even know. Yeah, I don't think she's ever yeah, that they have no. it. So, so I, th- I would say outside of when he sees her in the elevator with the kid and then at the end when he or at one point near the end when he walks into her apartment and she freaks out. And that's when, you know, I think the audience, you know, everybody knows that she doesn't know who this guy is. That's those. What about you, Bull? Do you think that there was ever a point where the relationship was real? No. Or did you think okay. as soon as he went to her apartment after killing the three guys? No, no. I mean, initially I like, when they're dating, I mean, no, oh, okay. That's, okay. That's right, the first right, thing that happened. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. And I right. was like, there's yeah. no way. I thought you were talking about the second. Uh, yeah. yeah. Where he just forces himself into her apartment and she's right, and happy she to see him. Yeah. I thought, no, this is well, all fantasy. So their whole man. date and everything. Yeah. I, I was thinking I never that, bought it. At some point, I was considering whether or not they could have been having a real relationship. And then it occurred to me that, that you never see her with the kid. And that was before, you know, all of the illusion becomes, um, you know, we, we find out what the reality of the situation is. But I did think that there was a point where, I don't know, it could have been <laughs> more than just a wish fulfillment, you know, yeah. fantasy. But I, when I when I went back and thought about it, I was thinking, what are the what are the racial implications of those interactions? Like, is he a white man acting out against women of color? Like, could you could that girlfriend have been someone other than the new Halle Berry? Oh, it could have been like, uh, well, you know, like a lot of serial killers have a type that they go after. Where you know, it's like the you know brown hair people. Not that it resembles of his mother, but stuff like that. So. Well, no, I was just thinking of the other women that he interacts with. You know, I was just, it, it just occurred to me that there's something there because Phillips could have, he could have uh, cast anybody in those roles, but he chose all black women. And I thought that there might be something to that. I just, I don't know. What do you think? I, oh, I definitely think it was done on purpose. Yeah. But do you know what the message is? <laughs> no, I don't think Todd <laughs> Phillips knows. And, and one of the things when I was doing research for this, uh, apparently he went back and rewrote large chunks of this film as they were filming it because he knew Joaquin wasn't going to be able to keep this huge weight loss off. Right. So he's like, we won't be able to do any reshoots. I'm not going to be able to look at the footage. And he just would write completely new scenes all the time. Interesting. Yeah, I'd read that um, too. I wonder if there's something yeah. with the- yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's because of the weight loss and, you know, he's having health, pro- uh, Joaquin was having health problems with dropping that much weight and, you know, keeping it off. Uh. But I, I think that's one of the problems. There wasn't time for Todd Phillips to do a rough assembly of the film 
and then go, okay, here's what I'm missing. Here's what we could flesh out a little better. Let's do reshoots in three, four months from now. Right. Instead, it's here. I don't know about that scene we did last week. Let's do it this new way. Wasn't there something and too? To me, the movie jumps around too much and it's too inconsistent. And I know we're supposed to understand certain sequences or dream sequences and stuff, but didn't work for me. Wasn't there something mm. too about filming a lot and then finding the movie in the editing room? But I don't know how long did it take to film the movie in the first place. Uh, this was filmed over a year ago. So, but if there's something where that you overfilm things and cut things out and you know, maybe you cut too much, and like you said, you rewrite it at the same time, because that could be uh, an issue. Oh, true. In some films, it, it somehow magically it all works and comes together. Casablanca is the famous example. They didn't have, I think, more than like 10 pages when they started filming it. Right. And it was just horrible. And everyone thought the movie was going to flop, and magically it all came together at the last minute. Well, like Annie Hall was supposed to be a murder mystery but they found the other stuff was better the love story was better so they cut out all the other stuff yeah i um i i would like to see some of the footage that they cut in the scenes that they cut yeah i i think that there's a very different film that you could find among the scraps yeah so um the other one you're talking about how deep he goes you know with the relationships between joker and and uh african-american women the other one is being in in the 80s with the when the funding gets cut you know in the 80s there was a big critical thing about mental health funding being cut and so i wonder if there was an attack on that too where if the joker was able to get this mental help he needed mental health you know help he needed would you know would that have prevented it not that I know if Todd Phillips is a, you know, I can't imagine he's a Reagan fan, but that was a, one of the big criticisms of Reagan was, you know, cutting uh, mental health stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think there are a lot of fingers that they're trying to point with this film, like, oh, th this is one of the reasons, but they only go halfway with it. And, and anytime there's something like that, oh yeah, they cut the f the funding that for mental health, there's also Joker saying, hey, can you up my meds? Right. And it's, well, you're on seven <laughs> of them. Which is a, aren't you on enough well that well the seven that's another thing too where you have the funding's being cut but then you're also over prescribed because you know seven medications mixed together can't be a good cocktail yeah but was this guy ever going to be able to be sane or was he broken so badly at a young age that you can never put all the pieces back together again this guy they should have called this movie humpty dumpty right <laughs> or john Hank. falling down the humpty dumpty story john Hank, not a john joker Hankley story. film um yeah. Well, there's that one. That's what De Niro calls him on that at the end, though, on the talk show. He says, this is, you know, you did this, you did that. And that's where, you know, Joaquin shoots him. But again, but he's probably planning to shoot him anyway. But I think he definitely was planning to shoot him. But you know. I don't know. I think he was planning on shooting himself. I guess that's a good point. So I mean, that's, that's, what, so he, I think when De Niro, that's what he plays that's out. That's true. He plays, he plays that, that part of the interaction out in his mind a couple of times. The, I think, I th I think it, uh, was it, who's the woman out, yeah. in the, who was the, um, the famous actress, or uh, it's not Bruce? famous. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the uh, Christine, Christine Lobach, or something like that, who famously oh, showed herself yeah, I know on you're talking about. television. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a newscaster or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they you know? made the film Christine with uh, Rebecca mm -hmm. Hall a couple years ago. And then I think there was another politician in the. Christine uh, been in the early 90s. Christine Chubbuck, yeah, but there was a politician in the 90s that. Uh, commit suicide in a, during a press conference or something like that. I think that's where he was headed. I think that's and something happens. I mean, it might be worthwhile to go back and look at that scene again just to see what it is that makes him snap and direct it towards Murray. 
Well, I think but Murray called him on it and said, like, you shot these upstanding young men. And that's kind of the thing, too, is that, you know, nobody points out that these three guys were assaulting uh, first the woman on the train. And then when the Joker couldn't stop laughing, they started beating him up, too. And but everybody keeps talking about, oh, these are good young men. They worked for Wayne. Thomas Wayne went on television, said these were hardworking young men type of a thing. And, you know, some thug killed him. But nobody you know, brings up the story that these three guys were started in, in a lot of ways. You know, they were drunk on the train, abusing this woman or, or about to abuse her when uh, Joaquin couldn't stop laughing. Right. So I think there's. But I don't know if that. I, I don't know if that fed into his motivation to shoot him, though. I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. It's because he started calling him out or started confronting him. I did think that Murray was a stand-in father figure also so when he's shooting him maybe he's shooting at wayne as well or whatever his image of his dad or was, yeah the or... guy who abused him as a kid yeah like did he as a character did he forget that he was abused and chained to a radiator when he was a kid i think that because I, I, yeah, because they don't ever say how young he was but you may not know that or it's a thing you black out or or block things yeah but out. what happens when they take your mom and they put him into a mental institution and they arrest your father or whatever father figure you have and they put him in jail what what happens to you for the 22 years that she's at arkham like where is he i don't know yeah foster how does he wind up with his mother yeah but Again. does he forget that he was in a foster home Again, like, this is what I'm saying. <laughs> this guy, we're, try, we're led to believe that he just had a bad day or a bad week. His whole life has sucked. <laughs> his whole 30s, his 20s, his teens right. were all bad. Teens, everything. But yeah. but suddenly we're, it's, the film just goes, oh, don't worry about those years. Don't make us explain <laughs> how he, he somehow got through all of that stuff. Yeah, right. What? That's why yeah. it, it just it, it doesn't work. He's not. Got to suspend your disbelief. But we're seeing it from his point of view. The He's the unreliable narrator uh, in some ways. We don't like that term. Is that an overused term? Uh, it's it's overused in this movie. It's, it's, a, a it's, it's, it's a lazy writing to say, "Oh, he's unreliable." Yeah. Don't don't worry about the plot holes. They're intentionally done. Right. Will this movie even be the best clown movie this year? Oh, more than it. What's the next one coming out besides it? Wrinkles the clown. Oh, Wrinkles has good reviews. Enough. Wrinkles the Clown, the documentary. Oh, okay. It's a horror film, yeah. I bet you I'll be... Wait, I thought it was a documentary. Yeah, like Blair Witch. It's coming, American documentary comedy horror film directed by Michael Beach huh. Nichols. Oh, okay. All right, so they're playing in a meta-textual way with it, like uh, Blair Witch. Yeah, whether it's found... That's my found. understanding, yeah. Um, Interesting. I don't know, when's that coming out? <laughs> Wrinkles. I thought it was coming out before Christmas. Uh, it says so Wrinkles be the Clown came out this weekend. Yes, yeah, it's October fourth yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that movie will probably be more the Joker than this film is. I like. I'll be able to recommend it <laughs> to more people. So. I no, I mean it scares me that people want this Joaquin Phoenix and this Joker to go up against William Pattinson's R- Batman, Robert, Robert, whatever. <laughs> it just pisses me off <laughs> that you can't like, know his name really that guy's batman oh no i mean yeah twilight or cedric oh my gosh it's going to be so bad it is robert pattison was the best actor in uh the rover no he wasn't oh, more than, was it guy pierce too? joel edgerton was the best actor in that film was, joel that edgerton should be batman joel edgerton would be an awesome batman too old we can play. Do, do the Dark the new... Knight Returns. Right. Thing. I want to see that storyline. <laughs> the Joker Returns. That's fine. Oh, the Joker is well, the Joker's in the Dark Knight Returns. 
And that's actually what, and that, he that, kills a talk and show. And he kills well in the in the movie in the in the comic. Yeah, he kills the talk show host and everybody else in the audience. All right, I got to tell you, the only thing that's the biggest joke around here is the fact that you guys have yet to mention that I won the uh, summer movie box office challenge in a very resounding way. You haven't been on. I thought Tony won. I mean, you could have mentioned it without me being there. I thought Tony won. Well, you're wrong. Which <laughs> one? We got to confirm and come back. Really? Go back and look at your. Yeah. See, this is how this is how insignificant I am to the show anymore. <laughs> you guys don't even know that I, I won the the box office challenge. Are you sure? Pretty sure. He's he's retroactively really? picking movies to go on the list. Well, we can go back and look if you want. <laughs> I've been wrong about things before. Well, because I thought it came down to who won Angry Birds two. <laughs> no, Tony... I got ten points for Angry Birds two because I picked the middle. Because I got and, and, and he Tony doubled had up. the low. Tony so, doubled up. So oh tie. According to my numbers, though. yeah, but then the tiebreaker was who was closest. <laughs> oh, that's right. Or who had the had. closest overall box office? Uh, I mean, we had a tiebreaker uh, fixed and ready to go in, in the unlikely scenario that it would have been a tiebreaker, and I won the tiebreaker. Uh, okay, if you say so. Well, the, the, of course I say so. <laughs> well, double check and have a, an addendum. It's true. You need an addendum. Of course to I say so. <laughs> it's true. All right. Well, fine. Congratulations on your Thank summer you. bots office Appreciate challenge it. win. <laughs> Thank you very much. Marissa Tomei of uh, Oscar winners. <laughs> I, I hope you're very proud. Oh, I am. I'm very proud of my accomplishments. The one last great thing, though, for the movie is uh, at the end when they uh, when the Wayne family's walking out of the movie theater. Did you guys notice what movie was playing? Zorro mm. the Gay Blade. Zorro the Gay Blades. Because so in the 40s, when the Batman comic came out, Batman was leaving the Errol Flynn Zorro movie. And that's what inspired him to wear the dark cape and the dark outfit. I don't think I thought they were in modern times. Weren't they watching modern times? No, not in the not in the original comic. No, 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 no. You know, Joker went and saw modern times, but then he got kicked out for laughing and being goofy and all that. So no, at the end, at the end, they just show the marquee of Zorro the Gay Blade, which I don't think would inspire somebody to wear all black. It would inspire you to inspire you to wear plum and maroon and all the other colors he wore. But I mean, it is a great film, and I would go out in the middle of a riot. Yeah, no, <laughs> to go see it with my wife and child. Right. Well, who knows how long and, the riot was going on? Maybe it started a few minutes before. No, I, guys, I think you're wrong. I mean, I might be wrong. <laughs> But I think that they were at a charity event where they were watching Modern Times. Yes. But at the end of the film, when Batman's parents get killed, they had come out of a different movie theater that was showing Zorro the Gay Blade. Okay. But so they had, Which is I thought what that sets he the was film watching in Modern Times. Which is yeah, the George okay. Hamilton movie where he, he, plays his, him, right. he plays Zorro and Zorro's twin brother, Bunny Wigglesworth, I think. Yeah. Wow. So the idea is they had the they needed a Zorro movie for him to come out of, but they picked the, probably the least inspiring Zorro movie to become a hero after. They right. could have had him come out to Excalibur like they did in Batman v Superman. That's true. And isn't Excalibur nineteen eighty one as well? So maybe we had that as a trivia question the other night and got that right. Well, then you should know the answer. Well, I don't. Yeah, I didn't. I don't right. know what year Excalibur came out. So oh, I'm, I, I'm was, pretty sure it's eighty one. It was a so. it was a picture of, of movie scenes and you had to guess the movie off of the scenes. Yeah, so uh, I, I did like that we got Rick rolled at the end because I thought, oh, at least I get to see a, a Batman universe film where I don't have to find out what happened to his parents. Right, that's that's a little bit overdone. Or his mother's name is Martha. A little overdone? 
They do it in every movie. Uh, true. <laughs> right. It is true. I remember even as a kid watching, um, I think it was Batman Beyond in Batman, and that Bruce Wayne was talking about his parents being killed, and my mom walking by, she goes, are they still bringing that up? <laughs> and so this yeah. is 20 years ago. Let it go. <laughs> yeah, so we'll, we'll never have to watch Batman's parents being gunned down again. This movie ended it all. Oh, yeah, I think Robert Pattinson's parents are going to be alive oh geez i am not looking forward to that in 2020 yeah what should our listeners be looking forward to uh Ooh. the irishman that's not around thanksgiving right. that's not until thanksgiving though so you're gonna do a three in a row robert de niro uh <laughs> movie oh. podcast it could be the, <laughs> you the can put one, you've got a month and a half between them so you could pick something else between them wrinkles the clown <laughs> We'll find something, won't we, Mr. Bull? Yeah, we'll find something. I-, I was going to try and make a joke about the new TV show, Batwoman, but that also just hurts my head as well, so... That's had some issues. Uh, Batman, ten years ago, Batman was so great with The Dark Knight. I rewatched some of that this weekend. Yeah. And I thought, finally, we figured out how to do this all justice. And for the last ten years, they have just pooed the bed. Well, even stuff like... Uh, <laughs> time and time again. Even Michael Keaton's Batman, like, was okay, different, but okay. Oh. And then, like, but you know, and, like, Val Kilmer's got a special place in my heart for Batman Forever. But uh, Batman and Robin's just bad. Like, we've had a string, and Ben Affleck, all these things are just so bad. Like, they don't... I don't know what, they just can't get heroes right. But they did. They had a formula. It worked. And then they've just completely gone off the rails. It just hurts. Well, it worked for the first two Dark Knights. Dark Knight Rises, though, had some issues. Yes, that's why I said ten years ago, the Dark Knight gave us the formula. Okay. Unfortunately, Heath Ledger had to die and... Screwed up me, Dark Knight uh, we, we, <laughs> it, it did. Because I, I think you could have plugged in the Joker into the Bane role in that. Right. And, you know, detaching the city from the rest of the world. It, it would have worked fantastic. Yeah, much more of a Joker plan than a Bane plan. So, really, all of this is Heath Ledger's fault. Let's blame well, him from beyond yeah. the grave. Oh, then if you go that way, it's yeah. one of the Olsen twins' fault, because she was with him, wasn't she? Oh, I didn't know that. I forget which, right. which Olsen twin it was, but it was one of them I thought was with him at the time. All right. I, unless I'm wrong, oh. and don't sue me, Olsen twins, for slander. Yeah, just, <laughs> I know they're big listeners of the show. <laughs> Someone will write in. It's <laughs> good sued for slander. Michelle Tanner killed the Joker. How's that? Batman couldn't do it in 70 years. All right. So we've got one thumbs up for the Joker, one halfway thumbs up, Lusk, for you. Did I Did I give it a half? I don't know. Are, are you, are, I mean, I, I, I thought I, I was going to be the middle ground, and instead I just got mad. I think <laughs> you did. You got very bitter about it. I can't recommend it to anybody. I don't uh, know if I really enjoyed it, but I might watch it again. Dave, you're... Just because I'm not convinced that they walked out of Zorro the Gay Blade. So... Yeah, they I don't. Did. I don't think they did. No, I, think they walked I, I specifically out marked times. out. Cause... No, that's he went to modern times to confront. Uh... Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. See, that's how insignificant this movie is. You're right. <laughs> no. You're right. No, I'm no, wrong. it's not insignificant that I'm right. No, it's, no, no, it's, it's insignificant that I'm wrong. <laughs> um, but you were right about the box office, maybe. The box office challenge. Oh, I'm absolutely right about that. I've been reveling in that for the last... Uh, I, I, the only reason I listened to the show the last time you guys did the show was because I thought you would mention me and my uh, victory. <laughs> uh, oh, because you decided on what the uh, tiebreaker would be, and it just so happened to come out that you would win based on that tiebreaker? No, I did the tiebreaker thing in advance. I, I <laughs> foresaw on down the line that they're potentially might have to be a tiebreaker and i came up with a formula and 
that was completely fair and gave us all an equal chance of winning the tiebreaker. It just so happened that I, Richard Lusk, You don't even remember what the tiebreaker was. Uh, closest to the actual numbers? Yeah. There you know. go. <laughs> all well, right. Doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Well, this has been... <laughs> Tailed off at the end here. <laughs> this has been a wonderful evening. Unfortunately, I have to go write a physics test, so I think I'm going to have to bring this uh, podcast to a close, gentlemen. Uh, last thoughts? Go see the movie. Especially if you like uh, Scorsese, you know, 1970s, 1980s movies. Lust? Save your money, go see Wrinkles the Clown. <laughs> Stop calling it Joker. It's not Joker. It's Arthur Fleck. And with and with that, I say, there be dragons. Poxet Bonum, everybody. Memento Mori. What did you think of today's show? Did the guys get it right? Or are you wondering what movie they watched? Send in your review by tweeting at CSD Podcast, emailing cinemasitdown at gmail.com, or messaging us on facebook.com backslash cinemasitdown. Cinema Sit Down is a Flying Bull production. All right. Did you guys hear my dogs going nuts the whole time? Uh, Yeah, the last five minutes or so. Huh. All right. Was that Bam was Bam? Deal- or no, not Bam playing. Bam, that was Seamus. It sounded like Seamus. Oh, Rue and Seamus, they were just Ru- going nuts. That's uh, <sighs> crazy. He's still going nuts. He's tearing me up. We'll just get going on the show. Sounds good. That works for everyone? Yep, it works yes. good for me. Uh, let me type in one thing, because I can't type during the show. You guys told me my keyboard's a little loud. You are welcome to type during the show. I love it. It sounds like a, like Perry White or His Girl Friday or something. Guys, you got to try the mechanical keyboard. It's wonderful. Does it sl- it's much better for your fingers. Does it slow down the typing? Like, would it, Does it mimic the keys getting stuck if you type too fast? Oh, no. It speeds up my typing. Oh. I feel so much more confident with that. I don't even know what you're talking about. Response. What are you talking about? It's a mechanical keyboard. Or his keyboard. It, it's it's the keyboard that goes. His sounds like the chunk chunk like an adding machine. Yeah, it's it's got it's got a mechanical linkage. So when you push the keys, you you, you feel it, and there's a nice crisp click. <laughs> it's not like a mushy uh, Mac keyboard. Huh.